You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Amy, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Great to connect with you again. You were actually at Build Your Network Live, uh, I think two or three years ago now. (laughs) Who knows how much time has passed since this whole COVID thing started, but really good to connect with you again and really excited to chat about relationships and networking with you. But before we do that, take me back to kind of your early childhood. Like, What did you think the future held for you? Because I can't imagine it was... uh, crush it in real estate, you know, as a, as a kindergartner? Oh my God. No, I was extremely shy. I mean, I wouldn't even talk to my family. I would tug on my aunt's dress to try to get her attention. So never did I think I would be on TV on a big stage preaching real estate. Even when I worked at, you know, I, I was always just like many listeners out there. I was, you know, raised to go to school and get good grades and then go get a job with a stable, secure company that you'll stay at for the rest of your life, collecting that paycheck. And it really wasn't until about nine or 10 years ago that I snapped out of it and I'd come to a fork in the road and I realized, you know, for me, you know, a, a traditional nine to five wasn't going to produce the results that I wanted. So real estate really was a game changer for me um, at age 35. I mean, I wish I would have started sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you spent, I mean, I knew you were with Dell for like 14 years. You were in the corporate space for, I mean, a while before that, like, was there a lot of fear and trepidation with leaving that? Or was it something where it was like, I'm so frustrated that I don't care what the jump is. I need to make one. Well, that is a great question. I am very impulsive, actually, and I don't have <laughs> fear. Yeah. Um, once I make a decision to, to do something, I'm committed. However, when I got into real estate, I mean, really, this was meant to be a side hustle, you know, while I pursued right. what I thought was my dream job at Nike. Um, but even as a side hustle, I always want shortcuts. I want the fast track. And so from day one, I invested in coaching and mentorship. Yeah. And that was really what helped me produce such tremendous results in my very first year as a brand new investor, having never done this before while working a full-time corporate job. So I knew because I, you know, had coaches and someone who had been through it before that I felt confident about what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's huge. Like investing in coaches is obviously really important. And I know for Travis starting Build Your Network, that was the first thing he did was invest in coaches. Like, how do I do this? And I know, you know, for me, when I started my show, it was like, Hey, Travis, what do I do? Like, what are the mistakes you made? How do I skip those lines and get ahead by a year or two and at least not repeat those same mistakes? What was some of the most valuable, like coaching that you received early on that kind of helped set you out on the right path? Number one was knowing how to um, be very selective with who you bring onto your team. Um, it's more than just who you surround yourself with. You know, we always hear those quotes and I believe in them, but, um, you know, understanding the importance of building your power team and, you know, people 
who have done this before, not just from coaching, but even in the flipping world, you know, contractors, realtors, like people who have an investor mindset. And so building your power team really resonated with me. I always find myself quoting Jim Collins, you know, from good to great, you know, you want to focus on getting the right people on the bus and then worry yeah. about shuffling them around to get them on the right seat. But then it was really knowing how to grow and scale. And that comes through, you know, private money. We all, there's always like a money problem or a money challenge in real estate. But for me, knowing how to raise capital really helped me expedite my retirement from Dell and uh, allowed me to pursue real estate full-time in just really just one year. Yeah. You, you alluded to like kind of some of the pithy quotes people throw out. So people always say like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and you know, so on down this long list of how important relationships are, but there's a lot of realtors that go to a lot of networking events. There's a lot of syndicators that go to a lot of events and they exchange cards and they struggle to raise money every single year. So what did you do differently to network effectively? Because it's one thing to know someone. It's another thing to have someone wiring you a large sum of money and trusting you with that. How did you go about building those relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm very raw, real, and direct. I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the in-between. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. So when it came to like traditional means of networking, it's like, I'm not going to just go. I don't even have business cards. I'm not going to go to an event and focus on handing out business cards. I'm going to number one, go to an event with people um, who are there that I want to spend time with. And then number two, I'm going to have conversations um, that will allow me to not only get something out of it, but also put myself in front of an audience who may be able to help me by understanding how can I help them, right? Mm-hmm. So give first, expect nothing and receive. It's not something I just said, but I did it and I really believed in it. And by putting myself out there and helping others, um, you're building rapport and trust, right? Mm-hmm. So that is what private lending is. And by getting people to know, like, and trust you, if they are not in a position to help you, you know, i.e. invest with you, and then they're going to know somebody who can. So I would go to just fun networking events, getting creative, thinking outside the box. Maybe it had nothing to do with real estate. Like, I don't care. Go to events with, you know, any business owner, the tech industry, mm-hmm. the beverage industry, the gaming industry, every entrepreneur, or business owner has had to build a team or raise capital, yeah. right? So if they can't help you, they're going to know somebody who can. Yeah, that is great advice. And it's something that I think I see a lot. Of, I mean, I'm friends with so many realtors and it always makes me go like, I should try this because you know, there's all these people doing it, but I see them so often network in their bubble where it's like, in particular, you know, when you're talking the real estate world, getting a connection with another realtor might be good, but they're probably not the one that's going to be giving you money for an investment. They're probably not the one who's going to be partnering with you there. It's probably going to be a business owner who might be outside your immediate bubble. So I love that idea of hopping into different events and situations. That's, that's really, really helpful. Well, thank you. Yeah. And that's really just one strategy, right? Because I'm going to be one of the first real estate educators out there to tell you, like, you don't need to depend on your friends and family members for money. Um, I didn't more so because I'm stubborn, but um, (laughs) absolutely possible for us to get out there, even in newbies and raise capital from our Uber drivers, people on Mm -hmm. airplanes, cashers at the grocery store, neighbors, like anyone and everyone who's got cash or assets collecting dust it's our job to get out there and educate them, right? That's the number one reason why people don't act as private money lenders. So let's get out there and educate them on our standard process. Yeah. You you mentioned that your personality leans introverted. Like you mentioned being shy and, you know, soft-spoken, like you're very quiet. How did you kind of shift that? Because I have to imagine there's still some of that inside of you, like our core personality, like we have something we have to fight against. How did you go from being shy, tugging on someone's skirt to get their attention to 
now I'm going to be talking, having conversations that put a pit in most people's stomach. I know it's so funny. Um, and yeah, I do still have like a shy side, but it, it really was just falling in love with the transformation process initially of flipping houses. And I have found that when you're, you know, like people always say I'm so passionate, so passionate, but yeah, when you're passionate about something, it's very easy for you to, you know, teach others and to preach and to have a message and to be confident just being educated, right? Your knowledge and education is what yields confidence. Um, There's a lot of things that I would not be comfortable or confident talking about, but raising money was never a deal breaker for me. It was always easy. And that's why I created over 55 different systems around how other people can leverage from that same platform. Yeah. That's super valuable. What are some tips maybe very practically when you're at an event, like you mentioned, obviously going outside of your comfort zone, outside your bubble, connecting with people. What are some of the ways that you're engaging in a conversation, maybe even down to how do you select who you're going to spend 15, 20 minutes with getting to know? Because there are people that roll in and go like, let me find the person who looks like they have the most money or most power in the room and just bug them. Uh, What's your strategy for kind of picking who to talk to and, and bringing that conversation together? It's really just touching as many people as you can and seeing who you connect with. I don't care how much money you have. If I don't like you, I'm not going to work with you, period. Um, There are plenty of people, um, shady, unethical people I didn't connect or jive with that I have respectfully chosen not to work with. So it's really just working the room, right? But it starts by being confident in who you are, knowing your role. Um, What are your goals and objectives uh, without dumping it out there to begin with. So I always say, start with a four second power pitch and your four second power pitches. The next time somebody asks you, you know, what do you do for a living? Or it's so nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been up to? Instead of talking about how I hate my job and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing in real estate, I just go right and do, I show people how to earn double digits, you know, by investing in real estate. What do you do? And they're like, what double digits, real estate, you know, tell me more. And so it's just, it's having a power pitch and, um, knowing when to walk away if you're not feeling connected in the conversation. You don't have to like everyone you talk to and not everyone's going to help you. Yeah, that's that's great. And another thing I was thinking about as I was listening to you on another interview is, you know, you were talking about maintaining relationships, you know, and, and there is one thing to cold pitch somebody and that's, uh, you know, that's something that people work on all the time. But, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the quote, you know, dig your well before you're thirsty. You know, this idea that, you know, you can start asking for things when you need it or to people that have no reason to give you anything, or you can really build up a network that you can draw on when you do need it. And they're already warm to you. They're already close to you. How do you go about maintaining relationships and keeping an audience warm, even if you're not doing direct business with them for, you know, maybe a couple of years, you know, how do you keep those relationships going? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. You know, for example, I have my top 20. So and it's not top 20 of people with money. It's people of influence, people who've had success, people I've just connected with. And every month I pick up the phone and I call these people and I don't talk about business. I'm like, how are you doing? How's your family? They're just basic everyday things that we don't think about, you know, also providing value. And yeah, you absolutely, it's like the minute you leave your house, if you are a real estate investor interested in learning how to raise capital, then you've got to make that mindset shift to where 24 seven, anyone you encounter is a prospective private money lender. So if you've got a bad attitude, you better snap out of it because no one in this you know, industry or 
country is going to want to work with you if you don't respect people, right? The golden rule. So, and that was something I used to struggle with before I was a business owner. I had a very low tolerance for ignorant people and I would go off on them if I didn't like the way they were talking to me. And then I quickly realized this could be a team member. This could be a lender. You can't talk to people that, well, you can't talk to people that way to begin with, right? But so it's like, what does your nurture system look like? What does your follow-up system look like above and beyond an email blast or a text message? But here's the cool thing. When you try not to overthink it and you genuinely just start to build rapport and trust with people you like, they're going to become your friends anyways. And you're going to see them on vacations, on outings. It's not, it doesn't feel like work, right? It's going to be something you naturally do anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, you mentioned uh, earlier, knowledge and education brings you confidence. And you've also mentioned the importance of relationships. And I got to ask the question we ask everybody that comes on the show. Do you think that who you know, or the, what you know is more important and why? Man, oh, is it who you know or what you? I gotta pick one, or can I say it's a combination of the two? We um, like people to pick one, but you know, I people always uh, cheat. <laughs> I may get judged and criticized, but yeah, I think proximity is power, and who you know will have will play a role in how quickly you have success and see results because depending on who you know, they've got the fast track, they've got the short, they've got the lessons learned, right? They've got access to capital. So absolutely, I would, I would say it is who you know, but then how you, how you nurture that relationship is also as important. You know, we've all heard it's your network that determines your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. I always reverse that statement. It's your net worth, right? And by net worth, I mean self-worth, that determines your network. Why would a high profile influential person um, want to spend time with me? You know, what do I bring to the table? Mm. So if you flip that quote, then maybe it would serve as a reminder to remember to give first and expect nothing in return. Yeah. I love that. When you're, when you're auditing yourself, you know, because obviously sometimes you're in a room with somebody and you should always be, we should always be in rooms where there's people that have more power or more money or more success than we do. But sometimes it can be intimidating going, what value can I bring to this person? Like they've got great business. They've got a ton of extra resources. They have a greater network than I do. How do you go about auditing yourself to figure out what value you can bring to them? You know, it's figure it out. There is something unique to each and every one of us, you know, that will bring value into someone's life, even if it's just a coffee talk. And, you know, for me, I know my value is my network. It is my ability to raise capital, regardless of how influential, powerful, or successful you are. Um, People don't raise capital the way that I do. And and I always have that to offer to people. But for those of you out there who who are not sure, there's something, right? So dig deep, figure it out, know what that is before you get out there and start talking to people, because um, we all have something unique that we can, you know, contribute to society. So make sure you're confident in what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, tell me a little bit about, I mean, you've obviously done very well for yourself and you've raised, I mean, over 16 million. That was from a bio I read from a year ago. So I'm sure it's way more than that now, but you're starting to help other people start doing the same thing. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to equip other people to do what feels probably impossible to someone who's listening and hearing your story, they're going, I don't think I could do it. Or I I'm I'm too introverted, or I can't imagine building a network like this. Uh, How are you helping people on that journey? Yeah. Those are very common thoughts, you know, fears and objections. I've never done this before. I have to have experience. I got to use my own money first. I feel bad asking people for money. I don't have any skin in the game. And it's like, those are completely normal thoughts. The way we overcome that is number one mindset. 
a shift. We're not asking for anything. We really have to believe that we are presenting others with an opportunity to invest, right? We're the ones offering double digit returns backed by real estate. They don't get that in the stock market. They don't get that in the bank. They're, you know, they're getting insurance. They don't get that in the stock market or the bank. So number one is the mindset shift and realizing you're presenting others with an opportunity. And number two is just having systems, having steps, having scripts. You're going to talk to people um, straight out of Wall Street who have managed hedge funds to your Uber driver. Those conversations are going to look very different. So if you don't have scripts in place, script them out. What are those conversations going to look like? But you absolutely can raise capital with no experience, with no credit, with no liquidity. And even if you're doing this part-time, it doesn't matter. It's just knowing who to target, what to say in order to get them to commit. Yeah, that's great. You said uh, people that feel bad asking for money, and I got to selfishly um, ask about this. You you kind of mentioned the idea that, yeah, you got to believe in what you're selling and what you're offering them in return. But for I know for so many people, there's like this inner lack of confidence when asking for that. And that's where the conversation, speaking from personal experience, that was something I struggled with for a long time. I would pitch somebody having a great conversation, building good rapport, and then we'd get to the conversation about money and I would fall apart. Like that's where my whole pitch would would fall by the wayside. How can people really establish that confidence within themselves and maintain that confidence throughout the course of a conversation? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's, you know, asking for some other favor. Uh, how can they dig deep and, and find that strength inside to ask those tough questions? I mean, I'm going to respond to that with a question, but are mm-hmm. you really confident in what you're doing? Do you, do you understand why you're doing it? You know, because if you believe in what you're doing and you know what you're doing, you're really going to be like, oh my God, like, look at this. You're not going to feel like you're having to convince anyone of anything. You're doing them a favor. Like I'm telling you about this. Yeah. Yeah. They need you. You don't need them, right? We don't Mm. need their money, for example. So I'd really, I'd say, go back and ask yourself, what are you doing? Are you doing it for the right reasons? And are you clear on what you're doing and why you're doing it and what the benefits are? Because even for introverts, I've got a lot of introvert students who don't have a problem, you know, once they they understand what to say and who to target. They don't have a problem, you know, quote unquote, asking for money. Um, but they're also clear on their goals and their objectives. They know how to analyze a deal, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, don't even think about getting out there to raise capital. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, the world has uh, no shortage of people that don't know what they're doing asking for large sums of money. So yeah, we don't want to add to that at all. Well, look, I really appreciate this conversation. I'm going to move us into our rapid round because I definitely want to hear your thoughts on some of these questions. First, what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Oh my gosh. Okay. I've always wanted to be on Broadway, but I cannot sing at all. So there we go. (laughs) Uh, I didn't expect performance uh, given your your personality type, but I I can see it. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Uh, Warren Buffett immediately hands down. He's just an interesting character. His Aside from his success, just um, when you watch him on an interview, you know, he's just a, just a regular old guy, right? Like very relatable, um, mm-hmm. is abundant of wealth, but it, it just not, he's not an intimidating gentleman. I just feel like I'm just sitting down with a cool dude and asking him a bunch of questions about how I got to where he is today. Yeah. I'm, I'm always curious. I like slipping in this follow-up. What would be the first question that you would ask when sitting down for that conversation? I'd probably like, what brings you here today? <laughs> Why are we um, sitting here together right now? <laughs> um, um, but that's what I, I mean, I start every conversation with like, uh, oh, what brings you today? Who you're here with? You know, how long, you know, just very breezy and casual. I don't get right into it. And I don't even end with, give me all your money. Right. It's just. <laughs> that's not your clothes, huh? <laughs> you know, right. So um, that's a whole other conversation, but yeah. yeah, definitely Warren Buffett. How do you like to learn best? Is it books, blogs, podcasts? What's your favorite way to consume new information? Um, it took me a few years of therapy to admit in public. I don't like to read. I mean, Jim Collins from Good to Great, I had to read in grad school is one of the very few books I actually read. The rest of my reading, I outsourced to my sister who would write all my book reports for me. Um, I do listen to podcasts because they're easy. Um, I'm always on the go and traveling, which is another reason I love podcasts. But for me, it's attending live events. I am a people person and I learn more in those types of environments. And it tends to resonate with me a lot better. Definitely. Give me a glimpse of your morning routine. Oh God. I am not one that you want to solicit advice from as far as morning routines are concerned. I have tried to work out. I have tried to meditate. Normally I will sleep in. I will grab my cup of coffee. My one of my personal friends is judging me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, coffee before water. I do not work out, and then um, I enjoy time with my husband and daughter. And then I'll usually spend the afternoons, you know, working in my business. I got some personal development things that I work on there. <laughs> so you don't do the gallon of water and then the ten mile hike and <laughs> ice bath in the morning. Always served me well, but no, not right now. I'm in the same boat. I always ask that question that I'm sitting there going like, I have a four-year-old. My morning routine is survive, hope I get up before she does and uh, pound an energy drink or some other caffeine and just get rolling with the day. So uh, 
French toast and had a therapy session this morning. Um, <laughs> I was crying before my meeting with you. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you were excited for uh, <laughs> for her talk. What is your go-to pump-up song? So when you are rolling out of bed, grabbing your coffee and trying to get started with the day, do you have a song that you like to play that gets you excited? So I don't have a song that I consistent, consistently play. I am obsessed with old school Zach Brown band, Chicken Fried. When I do choose to work out, it is country music. Um, on the hmm. road, it's country music. At home with my little girl, is country music. So I know a lot of people can't relate to that either. But yes, I like to work out to country music. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard. Every time I ask this question it's usually eminem or uh some variation so country music is a new one but uh yeah what is something that you're not very good at you mentioned singing so let's throw a new let's throw a new one in there what am i not good at i mean there's so many things you guys like we see here talk about oh your success in real estate you know how many failures i've had how many lessons learned my i'm terrible at marketing like i cannot market myself i I have paid thousands and thousands of dollars to people like marketing from a business perspective, um, personally consistency, I'm the world's biggest procrastinator and I'm not consistent with anything I do period. Hmm. So call me, I'd be a great coach. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious on this, uh, really quick before we close out. One thing that I always struggle with myself is what to outsource versus, you know, cause I, I do believe in the Gary Vee mentality of like double down on what you're good at, you know, like focus on those things. But also I think some people use that mentality as an excuse to just be a really bad person in a lot of areas and like, oh, sorry, I'm 20 minutes late. I'm always late or whatever that thing is. So what level, like when you're not good at something naturally, how much time should you spend trying to invest in improving that? Um, or should you just immediately outsource anything or you know defer anything that you're not really gifted in? I mean... When it comes to your business, I am going to tell you to outsource whether you're, if you're not good at it, outsource it. Or if you just don't want to do it, you want to spend more time with your family. You want to spend more time working on other parts of your business, then just outsource it. Because what I have found that is a weakness of mine. I have a bunch of sales calls I got to make. I don't feel like doing it. So I outsource it. I'm never going to do it. I'm a big proponent of outsourcing. Personally, though, I would say, figure it out. Um, I am not going to outsource presents that need to be ordered for family mm, members, yeah. or, you know, running errands or like even things with my daughter, you know, I, I want, I want to be more involved personally. So I outsource more professionally. Yeah. I, I love that answer. Yeah. For, for the business, it makes a lot of sense. And then personally, like I said, I've just, I've talked to so many people and they throw in the thing of like, oh, I'm just not good at this. You know, um, I interviewed someone recently and he said, you know, if you're just always late to meetings, if you're always like 10 minutes late, maybe just don't do that. <laughs> you know, like maybe just don't be late to meetings, but there is, there's things I'm always fascinated by people. There's people that approach things where like, I'm not good at marketing. I'm going to learn how to do it. And then there's the ones that go, I'm going to outsource it. And I definitely think that's a, the wise move is doubling down on those strengths and uh, really zero interest. I'm, yeah. I'm going to work the least amount. Um, I want the most streamlined. Um, I'm not about to go learn marketing. I have zero interest in trying to save a few thousand dollars. My money we'll figure it out. Right. And you're not saving it because you're using all that time where you could be making significantly more money doing the things you're gifted at. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, the last question I have to ask, because I know people are probably curious, what is the best place online for people to connect with you? Maybe just a couple personal plugs. And then if you have anything in your business that you think would be really helpful to the people listening right now. Sure. Absolutely. Um, what I don't outsource is my social media. I'm always on Instagram, just you know, sharing content um, across all aspects of real estate. Sure. Absolutely. Primarily, you know, raising capital and how can we do that better? And then my website, which is just amymajori.com. So, um, I'd say Instagram or my website and, um, yeah, for anyone who needs help raising capital, I got you. I will give you as much, much help as you would like. So just let me know, uh, book a call with me and I will see what I can do to help you out. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for joining me on the show. And for anybody listening, be sure to head to a link in the show notes and connect with Amy yourself. I know there's a lot of valuable content out there and I appreciate you sharing some of that with us today. Thank you, Eric. Take care. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.